0: I'm really excited about today's guest. It's Jordan Matter, and he is an accomplished photographer who morphed into being one of the top influencers out there. He has over 14 million subscribers on YouTube, over 5 million followers on TikTok, and over 2 million on Instagram. Now, his path was not the normal route to becoming an influencer. He started off, as we will discuss, in a very unlikely way from a baseball player in college to then going through the artistic route and now ending up where he's at as a full-time influencer. We talk about many insights about life, about influencing, about parenting, and how to balance this and how to pursue your passion, and also tips and tricks along the way. I think you're really going to love this episode. Jordan, you're such a fascinating person, and there's so much to talk about, and I've been really looking forward to this. Um, I always play a video and we're going to do that too. But I think let's first get to know you. If you could take us back to how you got to where you are and going back in time, maybe not back to the womb, but you know,
1: yeah, that would take us a couple of days to talk about all that. I'm not young, (laughs) but I think it's just so amazing.
0: Like your father is a very well-known director. Your grandfather was a successful photographer even working for the Kennedy administration. And you started off wanting to do baseball, but that's Mm -hmm. not where you're at. So take us back.
1: Yeah, I played baseball in college. Uh, I was raised by artists. My mother was a a flutist. She was a model also. Uh, My dad was a filmmaker and my grandfather's really well known as was my grandmother. Uh, She was a painter and he was Mm -hmm. a, a graphic artist and photographer. So uh, I come from a a long line of artists. And when I went to college my freshman year, I signed up to be an economics major uh, because I'd seen um, the roller coaster ride that is the life of of an artist and -hmm. the ups and downs financially. And I didn't want because I experienced that as a child and I, you know, and I I didn't want to have that life. So I signed up for economics and I I went to um, one semester and (laughs) like this is not for me. I was also playing baseball at the same time. And I, I ended up go getting a baseball scholarship to college. I played through college. And then when I was done with college, I wasn't really sure what to do. Mm-hmm. But I know I like performing. and I had gotten into theater when I was in college as well. And I started acting and I did acting for several years until I got bit by the photography bug. So that's like a 30 second synopsis. I can, the the from that moment, I was probably about 30 when I really got into photography. And from that moment on, that's been my obsession until jump forward 20 something years, I'd been doing a a great photography career. I had three best-selling books, uh, photography books, and I did uh, portraiture in New York. And then I I became a YouTuber. And initially the YouTube content was photography driven. Mm -hmm. And so I I was photographing dancers as a way to create content for books. And so I started documenting that process for for, for YouTube as basically as a way to prove that the photos were real. Mm. Because the dancers were so spectacular that you couldn't believe people could actually do that. So so people were
0: actually questioning the validity.
1: All over it. Because the social media was coming right around that time. Facebook first and then Instagram a little bit. But mainly Facebook. And I posted and get a lot of hate about how I was manipulating my photos. So I started posting videos to prove it, and in this show I was posting them on um, Vimeo. It's like nobody saw them on Vimeo. Right. And my creative partner, who's still creative partner, said, "This Daisy, why don't we post them on YouTube?" And by the way, if you can get ten thousand subscribers on YouTube, we can get um, access to their studio for free once a month. And it's like, how am I going to get ten thousand subscribers? I, nobody, like, nobody's gonna watch this. It's just behind the scenes photography. That's so boring. But I came up with a a way to do a challenge. And the challenge was a 10 minute photo challenge where I see how many photos I can get in 10 minutes of an exceptional dancer. And we go in the middle of New York City with no plan at all and just run around and take awesome photos for 10 minutes, then stop. And there Mm -hmm. was something about that. And it was just the right time and place. It, It just caught on. So suddenly we're trying to figure out YouTube. Like, okay, how do we, what, what's one what of the rules? I didn't know that you could make money on it. <laughs> I had about half a million subscribers before somebody said to me, do you do AdSense? And I was like, what do you, what's AdSense? Like, I had no clue that I could make any money. <laughs> and then also I didn't know what collabs were, like collaborations, right? And everybody would t- comment, you should collab with this person. I was like, what's a collab? So we started figuring it out. And from that moment, I looked, I Googled, when's the best time to post a video on YouTube? And it said, Thursday at noon. So every week for three years, we posted a video Thursday. At noon. We moved it to Saturdays eventually. And for five years, every week, five and a half years, we've only missed two uploads in five years. And we've never taken a week off. Those two uploads are just because the video wasn't ready yet. <clears throat> and, um, and we've been consistent and we just built a following. And then there was a pivotal moment where I started, I, I remember this really clearly remember this. I have a son and daughter. My son has always been into this. So he would come with me sometimes. My daughter wasn't a gymnast. And I remember I was shooting and I heard this girl's voice. It was like, daddy, daddy. And I looked over and it was some girl running up to her dad. And I just realized like, I'm, I'm missing them a lot because I'm working mm. so much. Uh, so I, I did a video with her so that I could spend time with her that day. Yeah. And yeah. that it. Well, they did another one that did well. And what happened was the channel had been built on collaborations. Every week I photographed a different person and I always was at the whims of other people. Like the video was only as popular as the person I was photographing. Okay. So it became from dancers to famous people, Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Ray, all these famous people. And if I could get a famous person, I'd get a lot of views. If they weren't famous, I'd get less views. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. And then suddenly my daughter started becoming that person. Ah, And so then it was an opportunity for us to hang out. And also the audience started expanding because they were identifying with her and the content shifted from photography to father daughter stuff. So it's interesting because now your son is also involved too, right? He's been involved from the beginning. I'll tell you a great story about him. This is going to go back and forth. I don't think we're going to be chronological in this conversation. (laughs) Okay. But, um, Really great story. He kind of inspired everything. First of all, when he was four, um, he was playing with his toy bus. I was a photographer doing headshots for actors, trying Mm -hmm. to find a way to do a project, some project that would be more meaningful than just a portrait. And I'm watching him play with his bus. and I I stopped and I'm like, I'm so ready to move on to the next thing. But he's immersed in this small little moment in his life. And I thought, is there a way to photograph that passion? And I suddenly thought, if I could take a dancer and recreate everyday life, I could show the world as if through the eyes of a child. Because as we get older, we zip past all the small things, and we only focus on the big ones. You know, getting your partner married, getting a career, getting a promotion, going on the vacation, like the big events. But the day-to-day, how you get to work. Was that a beautiful journey? So I took a dancer out into the middle of New York City and I went to the Times Square subway and I had him wear a suit. I took a photo of him in a split leap as if he's running late for work. And everything was clear to me. Like that is beautiful in the midst of this ugly urban environment. Uh And I made a book about it called Dancers Among Us and it became a bestseller. And then Mm -hmm. two follow-up books that were also bestsellers. And as a result of that, I started doing YouTube. So had I not seen my son play with that toy bus and been inspired by his passion, I never would have photographed dancers and I would not be doing YouTube now. It all started with him. And then when I started doing YouTube and he was 12 at that point, so this was eight years later, and I started doing YouTube and he goes, all right, dad, look, if you're lucky enough to have success on YouTube, it's because you found a lane. But if you stay in the lane too long, people are going to get bored and they're going to leave. But if you get out of your lane, people are going to get, they're not going to like you and they're going to leave. So you have to find a way to expand your lane while staying in your lane. Mm. I was like, okay. (laughs) I had no idea what that meant. But that's (laughs) the path I've always followed on YouTube is how to gradually expand the lane. Uh So every year, there's a little bit more content that we can create and there's more of an audience and there's more views and there's more interest by continuing to expand because a lot of times the life, the lifespan of a, of a creator is like, boom, boom, you know, you peak and then you keep trying to do the same thing. And then as you go down, you don't know what else to do. So you do the same thing until you crash. Uh huh. And we've got a lot of longevity because we've pivoted and expanded. And also
0: as a photographer, just to be accomplished in that field is like, as you say, over one and a half million to one odds. Yeah. So, like, just in and yeah. of itself, like ignore, ignore even the influencer social media component. So, right. there had to have been some moments where you felt like, you know, giving up or et cetera. So, oh, yeah. of course, there, there's a video. There's a video I want to play. And usually we talk about health videos, but I think, you know, your story and you and your family are just so interesting and instructive that I want to play a non health video and then we can talk mm-hmm. about it. Maybe you can share if some of this resonates with you back in the early days, or even now, for that matter, sure. with challenges that you have. So yeah, let's just play this video. This is from TikTok. Listen to
1: me, brills. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're stressed, if you feel like quitting, if you're f- exhausted, that's good. I know it doesn't feel like it now, but it's good. It's not meant to be easy. People who have easy lives don't get out of bed every day. They hate themselves. They don't accomplish anything. That's what you get. That's what you get if you have an easy life. Where the is you have to earn what you want. You have to earn what you're
0: after. Nothing good comes easy. But do
1: yourself a favor and stay with it. Don't quit, man. That's what everyone else does. Stay with it. See it through.
0: You'll be amazed what's on the other side. So how does that hit you,
1: Jordan, when you hear those
0: words and messages?
1: I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives I have on that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a great marketing tool, by the way, for them, the army but i think for for me i believe in that message I'm, i was i was an only child i was raised by addicts both of my parents were addicts and they struggled with addiction throughout their lives not constantly but throughout mm-hmm. uh, they were also separated so it's bouncing back and forth between them uh and they were up and down financially so one minute we're we have nowhere to live and the next minute they have money and going back and forth and living in a new place every six months and so there was a, a lot of resilience that i learned as a result of that upbringing, I often wonder, like I'm raising kids. I'm not an addict. I, My wife and I are together. Are they going to learn that same resilience? Are we making it too easy? How do you fake it if you're not struggling financially or emotionally? And so that's an ongoing question. And so that does resonate with me. I was also was an athlete and I know what it takes to, you know, to get to the, to, to peak athletic form. And there's a lot of hard work and dedication and I, th- I think the biggest thing for me, though, to relate to what I do currently is that when I decided to be a photographer, I had no money. I was a waiter. I said to my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, or my fiance, I said, I think I want to take a photography course because I might be interested in that, but it's going to take all of my savings to get the course. And she said... You should try it because you never know what might happen. So I took a course with, uh, in black and white printing. And when I saw the print come up in the developer, I had this hallelujah moment where I felt like this is it. But of course, it's not Hollywood. And this is it doesn't mean I'm suddenly making money. So I had years of struggle where I couldn't figure out how to take that passion and turn it into financial gain. So I continued to wait tables and act while I was trying to figure out how to make it a career. And there were many, many times that I wanted to quit. And even when I did the book, Dancers Among Us, I'll tell you, this is the hardest story about that, but my son was young, my daughter was just born. And I would, I would go to work, I would do my headshots, and then rather than go home, I would go to New York, downtown, or I would go elsewhere to s- photograph for my project. Mm-hmm. And nobody was paying attention to this project. Nobody cared, but I felt like it was something special. And this was a year of nobody caring. And I would go several times a week to photograph it. And I would get calls, texts from my wife, like, oh, your daughter crawled today. Or other kids want to say goodbye, goodnight to you before they go to bed. And I'm still out shooting and I'm not getting paid to shoot. I'm just there because I believe in the project. (laughs) And I, I can't tell you how many times when I got that call, I wanted to just say, I can't shoot today and go back home and, and tuck my kids in. Mm-hmm. But I felt strongly enough about it that I felt like I had to see it through to see if it would become something. And it was two years before I got a book deal. So for two years, I was thinking, was this smart? Does this make, was, did I just waste two years of being a parent? Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I stuck through it because had I not, I I mean... Nothing that I do now would have happened had I not
0: stuck through and made that book. So definitely you had times where you felt the family tugging and you had to make that decision and of invest, course. invest in your career. Yeah. Were you also doing headshots at the time? Were you, were
1: yeah, you just, just that, solely
0: non-paid photographer? No, no, I was doing headshots
1: and that was in and of itself a full-time job. I mean, before I had my son, I was doing it seven days a week. Uh, and okay. after I had my job, had him, I was doing seven days a week and then I cut down to six. But I was the finances were there because I was doing that. I, did, I couldn't justify also doing the project because I was providing, you know, I was making money so that we could have a, a life. And mm-hmm. then the project was extra because I saw that I want to go further. And I think a lot of times what happens with people is they have a dream and they have a job and those two things are not connected. Mm-hmm. So they do their job because they need to do their job. But the dream gets put on hold because they want to go socialize. They want to see their family. They want to be with their kids. They want to take a vacation. And they can't do that and also do their dream. I wanted to do all those things too. Mm-hmm. But I chose the dream over those things. Mm-hmm. And the only part that was really hard was my family. I could yeah. give up socializing, vacations, Football, whatever. But when I couldn't see my kids or I couldn't see my wife, that was really hard. And those were the parts that made me wonder whether or not I should be doing it. Well,
0: it's really fortunate she was so supportive of you yeah. pursuing your dream. And Of course. Did you have any time frame? It was after two years you finally got the book deal where things started to happen. Did you put a time frame on in terms of? No.
1: Mm-hmm. No time frame. Yeah. And, and by the way, the project was dead in the water. I did two years and it got pitched to every book deal, and they all, they all loved the photos, but said it would never sell. So they all passed. And it was months that it seemed like it was dead. And then one more publisher reached out and they gave me a shot, and it ended up being a bestseller. And after it was a bestseller, I said to them, Do all those publishers that passed, do they all know it's a bestseller? And they said, Oh, absolutely, they know it's a bestseller. <laughs> it's very satisfying.
0: That sounds almost like J.K. Rowling, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. Harry Potter.
1: I to get talks. It's a great story.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, interestingly enough, with Harry Potter, it was only because that agent had a daughter, and he had no idea about this, but he gave the manuscript to his daughter and said, "What do you think?" And she loved it, so that gave him the confidence to greenlight yeah. the first book there. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> So, um, so, what advice then would you have for people uh, as they're trying to pursue their dream, which may not be necessarily what their daytime job is?
1: It's hard to give advice on something like that. You kind of have to make that decision for yourself. The only thing I would say is that I think that there's a certain amount of regret I've always been afraid of living with. And the regret comes from not having done everything I could to... Uh, fulfill my dreams, and, and I spoke about my family and my parents being uh, addicts, but I, I don't want to misrepresent that because they also were artists and they were passionate. And so, mm-hmm. everybody I I saw in my life was pursuing a dream that was not stable, and that's where the financial insecurity came from. But mm-hmm. when I compared that to somebody who doesn't love their job but does it only for money, and I know a bunch of people like that there seems to be a void there that I didn't want to feel. Mm -hmm. So I always felt like I needed to go after it. The thing was I had it with headshots. I didn't dislike it. I really enjoyed it. I just thought there was even more.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So my feeling is you get one shot. And if you're fortunate enough to have skills and passion for something and you don't pursue it, you're not doing yourself justice. But that's easy to say. I also would never advocate for, especially if you have a family like suddenly quitting everything and putting them at, you know, dire straits to pursue something. That's a, it's a hard decision. Right.
0: And did you feel at some point, um, now that you've gone into, you know, more of the influencer realm and expanded to there, uh, which takes up even more time too. are you still shooting headshots as well? And doing not anymore. No. Okay. So would you say, are you doing any photography? for No.
1: Now, there were many, there were three years of of YouTube with, as if I wasn't busy before. I was doing one video a week and full-time headshots for three years because I didn't trust, even though YouTube was doing well, I, I didn't trust it was permanent. And when uh, you build something up like a headshot, I had, I had a really good business. I, w- I was paid well for each shoot. I had a waiting list and I was the guy. I was the guy for actor headshots. So to walk away from that, for something as, as insecure as an algorithm. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. like, what do we hey, put it? Right. Okay. So it took me a while to, to realize I, I, I haven't put my everything into YouTube. And if I put my everything into it, it might be exceptionally better. So I've had a bunch of moments in my life where things have been pretty good, but I wanted them to be better. And I took the leap to make them better. But with that leap, I was risking the pretty good. Mm hmm. I did it anyway, and it's it's worked yeah. out.
0: And so now, being full time YouTuber influencer, do you find you had in the process challenges with a balance with family life because your children, you know, they're still young, they're they're not emancipated to higher education if that's even in the cards. But mm-hmm. like, how did you learn that balance, and did you find sometimes it was just uh, almost maybe going back to not being uh, present enough as much as you would have liked.
1: Initially, yeah,
0: because of course with every ambition, it takes time,
1: mental energy, emotional energy, and just time to go do it wherever it is. So yes, until the last, COVID is what changed it all for me, honestly. Hmm. Because um, before that, you know, I was in New York and we'd fly all over the place to do collaborations. we fly to Los Angeles a lot to do collaborations. Then I was doing my headshots and everything. And when COVID came and everything shut down, it gave me a chance to reassess. And also, I was with my family at that point all the time. And I realized this is what I need. So I made a lot of adjustments so I could be with them more. And part of those adjustments were moving to L.A. so that I would be where the collaborators were so I didn't have to fly Mm -hmm. here. And also not doing headshots anymore so I could be here. So now, I'm with them all the time. And I have been for the last three years. All the Mm -hmm. time. And I work with my daughter every week, so literally all the time. So I'm making up for a lot of lost time, I think.
0: Oh, that's gotta be great for them too. And yeah. just for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Did your wife, your wife is with you too?
1: She moved her yeah. practice yeah. too? Yeah, well, she's a pet, but she doesn't practice. So she's, she's the supportive one here that like makes sure everything is working in order. Okay, <laughs> you need a backbone. Everybody, everybody needs a backbone. Yes, yeah, <laughs> she's that's the that. backbone.
0: So, um, so let's talk about your, your children now. What does their future look like? What's their involvement? Are they thinking of following in the influencer footsteps as yeah. a gig?
1: Once again, you know, it's a risk, but they're young. It's seven, she's, she's 13 and he's 17. So they're not that young, right? I mean, mm-hmm. 17 is, you know, you're, you're on your way. Right. Um, he, his ambition is 100% YouTube. And so that's, it's a mixed bag, right? Like, is that because I do it? Probably. But also, uh, it's the number one ambition for the great majority of people his age. He's just fortunate enough that he is both very gifted at it and also surrounded by other people who are immersed in it. So he gets a lot of stimulation that others wouldn't get. Most people, Mm -hmm. when they want to be a YouTuber and they're a teenager, they watch YouTube and then they try to figure it out. He's with me everywhere I go, I take him. So if I went to Dubai twice, he's with me. Uh, mm-hmm. Shailish, my daughter doesn't want to go, but she's a gymnast. But he wants to be everywhere. If I, everybody knows if I'm invited to a party, it's a plus one with my son. So <laughs> he, gets, he, gets, he knows everybody. Like If, I, if we could go to a, a creator conference, he knows more people than I do. So, it, it's, <laughs> so, so of course, he's going to be interested in it because also he's surrounded by it it's also insecure as, as we just discussed. And as a parent, I can, I, you know, I can see it two ways. One is you should go to college like everyone does and then you should find a path that is more predictable. But what is predictable anymore?
0: To be honest, we can have a whole conversation about what predictable
1: is. I was just at a conference recently that brought in open AI. I'm like, okay, well, everything's changing. And in a year, whatever conversation we have is gonna look vastly different than it does now. So how to predict what predictable is, is already hard. Mm -hmm. Two, you see a kid with passion, stays up till three in the morning editing something. Do I pull him out of that and push him towards something he's not passionate about because that's the direction that you're supposed to go? Mm -hmm. And my vote is no. You let him find his path. Mm -hmm. So that's his journey currently. And for my daughter, she really enjoys making videos of me because it's fun. and And she has because she's such a significant part of the channel, she has a percentage of the channel
0: that is financial in a
1: trust fund for her for later. Mm -hmm. So she is, unbeknownst to her, really, she never thinks about it, putting money away for her future for whatever she chooses to do. Mm -hmm. And her passion is making videos and even more doing gymnastics.
0: So she, uh, I mean, gymnastics is... A full-time commitment
1: almost for kids these
0: days. How many yeah, hours she, days yeah, days yeah, it's four months. hours a day.
1: Four hours. Okay, day. okay.
0: And then going to tournaments, of course, as well.
1: Yep. Oh, she would. She she kills. I call it tournaments because we always have baseball tournaments, actually competitions. And I always say tournaments, and then she gives me a hard time about that
0: so the competitions. <laughs> <laughs> So there's still much to learn for, for us for, um, from Gen Z. <laughs> yes. Even as influencers. For all the platforms out there to be able to monetize, it seems YouTube is probably the easiest um, because you've got ads coming in. Right. There's direct revenue that can be shared. Yeah. The other platforms seem to not be as easy to monetize because they just well, don't have the advertisers. What's your... Take on that it's for the not future. On the advertisers,
1: if that the videos are too short to be able to put an ad on, because you're not mm-hmm. going to watch a 30 second video with a 15 second ad. So uh, YouTube isn't it. necessarily easy. So much as that, there's that the, there's more revenue built into the content. But TikTokers and short form creators can make a lot of money, but they do it with brand deals. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of very creative brand deals now that you don't even realize are brand deals. And those people might make six figures for one TikTok, which is 30 seconds. Hmm. So there's a lot of money in it. It's just not with the ad sense. So it's like through branding. Um, So, But also TikTok has a creator's fund.
0: And what I've noticed is that the amount each month you get from the creator's fund has gone down pretty dramatically. Short time. Sure. I yeah. think as more people got into the fund, that pie, you know, the pieces of the pie get smaller and smaller for each person. Yep. So now that's what's uh, going to happen
1: with Shorts too. Shorts, the YouTube version, is, is launching February 1st um, a creator's fund. This is supposed to rival TikTok or actually probably blow it out of the water initially. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, how long can it last? And what I think what's happening is there's obviously a battle between TikTok and YouTube. And YouTube has seen a significant percentage of their viewers go to TikTok. So they're trying to get them back with shorts. But mm-hmm. the real money they make is on long form content. So I think mm-hmm. what they're hoping is that they get them away from TikTok by incentivizing creators to make more content on YouTube. And then once the viewers are on YouTube, they'll watch the long form and see the ads.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so that probably to be a seen.
1: But, but uh, yeah.
0: and how about Instagram? Do you um, work on Instagram as well?
1: Again, it's brand deal stuff, right? I mean, it's all, it's, it's all the same. It's like, where, where do you get the most um, engagement? And then that's where the ads, that's where the brands want you to be. Whether or not it's YouTube. Our, most of our brand deals are YouTube. And then <laughs> usually what will happen is a YouTube brand deal will have a TikTok component.
0: So you'll do a long-form brand deal
1: or a short-form brand deal and then also put put a portion of that on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way to to
0: repurpose the content. content. Yeah,
1: I mean, just like revenue generating for a creator can be very significant and there's a lot of different ways to do it. It all starts with having an audience, but you don't have to have a massive audience. You have to have a dedicated audience. Mm -hmm. So... We have a pretty large audience. We have almost 15 million subscribers and we have maybe 5 billion views on our videos. So that's a large audience. Mm -hmm. But to some brands, you know, automobile repair channel that has 100,000 passionate viewers might be more interesting. And there's a lot of channels that have far less subscribers who get massive brand deals because their subscribers are enthusiastic and older and willing to spend money if the creator tells them to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So a lot of times
1: people look at these numbers and they say, wow, Mr. B says 120 million subscribers, or this person has 10 million, and I only have 100. What am I supposed to do? Find the thing that you're really good at that's a niche. Niche creators are the new thing. They really are. And, and you build up 100,000, 200,000 followers over time, and you make them really engaged with your content, really care about you. And then you can get a lot of sponsorships as a result. Actually, I talked a bit about this in my
0: book, Influenced, The Impact of Social Media on Our Perception. When I was flying to New York for a a TV interview, that's where we met actually on (laughs) the going to New York. So yeah, for sure, engagement with the audience is really important. And there's even metrics that people can use, third-party metrics, that brands can look at to see if somebody's even faking or fudging like the number of likes and followers, et cetera, because they can look at engagement metrics too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. engagement is really important. It is,
1: yes. Yeah, you can't really fake stuff as much anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's harder. But, uh, but still, you know, I get stuff all the time on Instagram, DMs for people, oh, I can grow your platform. I mean, at least, you know. Well, they can, years. but, it's, but it's, it's just temporary because, because it's all bots. And then right. whichever platform you're trying to grow on will discover you're using bots and they'll ban you from it. <laughs> so right. It's like, right.
1: Like right. Yeah. yeah. no even yeah. bother trying really.
0: Yeah. So anybody, you know, if you're getting these DMs from people promising to grow your platform, just just do the hard old school way. It's gonna be safe and your account won't get in trouble. For
1: sure, there's a lot there's a of videos, videos about how to grow your platform that, that are real. I mean, there's real ways to grow a platform in terms of audience engagement, in terms of content selection, and frequency of uploads, and and understanding the algorithm and looking at your analytics. I mean, all that's real. Spend some money, and suddenly you have subscribers. That's not real.
0: Right, right, and and they actually they check, check for that, that now. Like you said, like yeah. they'll they'll know there's like you know farms out there that people yeah it's actually an
1: interesting way that some people think uh they can sabotage channels to be honest like (laughs) if i didn't like you and i wanted to ruin your channel i could pay for bots to spam you with comments and likes and subscribers and then youtube would punish you right like that's that's a whole oh wow uh, okay like you know like youtube terrorism thing yeah Yeah, that's that's, yeah that's 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 getting into warfare warfare there there. yeah yeah (laughs) So So don't don't make anybody anybody mad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, like Ben Franklin says, you know, life is much more pleasurable for people who get along with others than those who don't. So that's that's true. I believe in that. (laughs) So what What advice advice would you have? Because I'm sure there's people that are watching, listening that want to grow their platform in a healthy way, productive way. What would be some tips from the experience you've seen with yourself and also through your kids experiences too? consistency and understanding what makes you
1: unique and doing that. There's a lot of copycat stuff or trend jacking on YouTube and other platforms where you find stuff that's working for somebody else and you try to do it for yourself or a quick fix to get some views. Mm -hmm. But the long term is to find something unique about yourself and then continue to tell that story every week. And what is Mm -hmm. engaging? Not everybody is meant to be on camera not everyone is meant to have to have a, a platform. You have, you want, you need to have something to say to have a platform. So first, what is it you have to say? And when, when I say not everybody, everybody is meant to be, what I mean is, is not everybody is offering the audience something that is of value. Mm-hmm. So then, why am I watching? Everybody, everybody could, though. We all have value. But if you're just trying to be somebody else, you're not gonna offer that value. So my number one thing is be yourself, find out what's interesting about yourself, stay consistent and continue to reward your audience by letting them get to know you deeper and deeper. So when you say for the audience getting to know you deeper,
0: so revealing some personal aspects of your life then? It's the reason that,
1: I guess we'll call creators influencers. I like creator better but whatever the reason creators are the new movie stars is because you invite them in your home
0: Mm -hmm. mr beast one of the most popular creators out there just launched a restaurant
1: 15,000 people showed up at a mall 15,000 people at a mall to get a burger
0: 50,000 people
1: would show up to see Robert Downey Jr., even though he's made a billion dollars in movies, right? I don't know. And maybe it's because people feel like they know Jimmy, Mr. Beast. They know his friends. They know where he lives. Yeah. They they spend, They see him every week. And so when I say let them know something they value, the mere fact that you're filming in your home, you have your friends and you have your family, and, and you're sharing your day, you can still, can still make it a challenge, challenge. You make it exciting, but just inviting them into your world Mm -hmm. will allow people to be more engaged with your Your content
0: as opposed to shooting in a studio,
1: right? Where it's just like a white background, there's a studio, we don't know anything about
0: it. That's actually what I would call um, personality marketing because people are gravitating to the person probably even more so than what is going on in their content and this goes back to uh, this whole personality marketing con- con- concept goes way back
1: but uh, like for example we have a newsletter that we send to our patients
0: and so I'll give updates about the latest medical things, one of my specialties is keratoconus, uh, vision correction, uh, LASIK but I'll also put stuff about what I'm doing, a little article about me or about my kids, our daughters are 16 now, twin girls and Patients come in and they, most of the time, if they're going to comment on a newsletter, it's going to be, oh, you know, how are the girls doing? Or, you know, I used to row a lot competitively um, up to a couple years ago. And how's the competition? How are your training going? So people really, because, you know, that's more social. You know, it's not really social. Like you and I are having a real conversation. That's really social. But it's it's almost like a parasocial relationship, which I I mentioned in the book uh, as well. And, um, so people feel like they get to know the person, which is why it's so much more powerful to your point about Mr. B's right. people because they feel they know him, although he doesn't really know them, but it's a one way parasocial relationship and that's powerful. Yeah, it is powerful.
1: And, and the creators who understand that and are able to kind of. Build that relationship over time because it's not you enough have to do it
0: do in one video. You just continue, continue to lay the groundwork every video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jordan, this has been an awesome, awesome discussion with you. Uh, thank you so much for taking You're the welcome. time to share a lot of insights about your career and your family and to help other people that are interested yeah. or just wanting to hear great inspirational Insights from somebody who's been around the block (laughs) in many uh, many blocks. You've been been around around a few blocks, actually. I've been around a few.
1: You you didn't mention my block guy. I got this. Oh. Case anybody thinks YouTube is fake. I got this during YouTube video.
0: Well, how did you (laughs) get that? You got got it. can't it was hanging.
1: It was was a a hide and seek, and it was a dark room, and I went running into a hole. Nothing exciting. I wish I was like defending my wife's honor or something. (laughs) (laughs)
0: well you know i I appreciate the black eye a little ice little ice there will help it go away faster and arnica that's what i did yeah yeah we're at the end we're at the end end of it
1: now (laughs) okay (laughs) good all right jordan thanks again and really appreciate it much gratitude for you and uh say hi to hudson and everyone else
0: i sure will thanks Thanks. have a great day Okay, okay we'll talk to you later Bye. bye bye how amazing was Jordan in sharing all those incredible personal insights, but also professional insights, because he's someone who has been around, as I said, not just the block, but multiple blocks. So a lot of insight and experience and wisdom. I'm very grateful that he took the time to be on the show. If you wanna learn more about previous topics that we've covered, look back in the catalog of The Health Show. And we're going to have another really interesting, fascinating guest next time on the show. And we'll be covering a health video and make it very insightful and very fun. I'll see you then.